Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. I remember when I was a young guy, young boy, sitting on a floor of my bedroom late at in some winter night, it must have been winter because it was dark and I was still up. And like uh, playing with Lego or something with an oil column heater sort of right behind me, as you do in Canberra in the wonderfully insulated houses that they've been building up until the last couple of weeks. And uh, it was a lightning storm, thunderstorm. And he, you know, the, the flash, and then a few seconds later, the sound. And then came the big one, the big lightning. Kaboom! And all the lights go out. All over the neighbourhood. Look out the curtains. Can't see anything. In fact, didn't look out the curtains. Couldn't find the curtains. And as a child, what do you want to hear? You want to hear the voice of a parent who says, "It's okay, Paul. It's okay. It's all right. Everything's going to be fine." And in the darkness, we want to know that someone is with us. And we're looking at our series about God with us. And God wants to be with us more than we want to be with Him. We think we are social. We think we like company. God made company. He made us to be company. He made us. He created us just like him. He wanted to talk with us. Right through the Bible we see this theme of God wanting to be with people. God wants to be with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to, to sup with you. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens that door, I will come in to him or her and have fellowship with you. Because I want to. Right from the garden, in the Garden of Eden, he didn't sort of create man and then say, Okay, great, see you in a few thousand years. I'm going off. No, he stayed there. He made the garden as a place of fellowship. The best gardens that you can visit, the ones that Ian Menzies designs, he's a person at church, landscape designer, always have places where people meet, where you feel, I can go over here, I can sit with somebody. The Garden of Eden was like that. And God was walking with people. Why? Because he wanted to be with people. He wanted to be with us. The whole of Scripture, the whole of the the Christmas story is all about God wanting to be with people. When the the fall happened and and we turned our backs on God, we decided we knew better than he did. We weren't going to trust what he said was good. We decided what was good. Then plan... B went into action where God would be able to come back in and have that fellowship again. The, the plan to create a nation and then a fam- from a family, from a man, and then to create a nation, create a whole situation where he could inject himself into the veins of humanity and create that with us experience again. Imagine what it would have been for someone who had never slept to become tired as Jesus did for someone who had known everything about everything instantly about without thinking to be so vulnerable having to be taught 
for someone who'd known perfection and glory to hold the hand the calloused hand of a, a carpenter and to have that sense Jesus didn't go into a royal family or a rich family God said no I want everybody to know that I want to meet with the normal people and if he was prepared to meet with normal people on earth he's prepared to meet with each one of us and he wants to meet with each one of us he loves normal Mary and Joseph were normal if it wasn't for Jesus we would never have heard about them totally normal people God wants to meet with people and then in the Old Testament we have the ark of the covenant which was placed into the tabernacle which was also known as the tent of meeting and the ark of Co- of the covenant was this beautifully a, a piece of wood covered with gold and, and there were these fashioned angels over the top made of pure gold and in between the angels under there that was called the mercy seat that's where God met that's where his presence was I want my presence to be with people I want to be with those people look at Numbers 7 in the Bible, verse 89, says, Now when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. And so he spoke to him. What was the presence of God? His voice. He's the voice. He's the voice. The voice that we hear. He is a voice and he wants to bring his voice into your life. His voice became flesh. His, he put it, got his word and put it into humanity. Who are you? Your voice will tell you. You'll tell us who you are. Your voice. And in the future, in heaven, Revelation 21.3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. God's heart is always to be with us. We're the ones who say, I I don't want to hear from you right now. It's not convenient or I haven't got time for you. No, 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 don't don't say that. La, 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 la. Don't want to hear that voice. God's the one who's constantly approaching us with a voice. God's word, his voice became flesh and dwelt among us, it says in John chapter 1. And then Jesus said, I will never leave you. You will have my word with you. John 14, 16 to 17 says this. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Jesus went, but he says, I'm not going to leave you. It's interesting, isn't it? Why not? How could you be going and not leaving? And it says there, the world cannot receive him, the Holy Spirit, because it isn't looking for him, it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. John 14, same chapter, verse 26. When the Father sends this advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So the Holy Spirit is speaking 
the words of Jesus to us. That is the presence of God with us. His voice is with us. His voice is constantly with us. And uh, how do we experience that voice? Isaiah 30 verse 21 says this, Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. It's just a gentle whisper. Uh, Isaiah, uh, Elijah wanted to meet with God. The earthquake came. It wasn't God. It wasn't God's voice, that massive, dramatic explosion. Then the mighty wind came. That was not God's voice. And then fire came. That was not God. What was God? A gentle whisper. You have to be very close to someone in order to whisper and for them to hear you. And the Bible promises, unless you have a microphone, everyone can hear. Just a technicality. Just The Bible says that you will hear a voice just behind you, and that voice will tell you, do that, do this. And that's the presence of God with us in the darkness. It's okay. I'm here. Don't worry. The voice of God. It's the presence of God with us. Here's a test, simple test, even if you do not believe in God. And the simple test is that every single human being has a voice inside, a voice just behind, a little whisper that keeps disagreeing with us. We think, I don't believe in God. And the voice says, well, maybe you're not right. Maybe he's there. No, I don't want to hear that voice. The voice of the Holy Spirit. John 16 verse 8 gives us more information about what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. It says the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness and judgment. He convicts of sin, righteousness and judgment. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is giving us three messages regularly. They are regular messages. One, he says, this is bad. That's sin. He'll say, don't do that. Don't go, don't go there. It's not good for you. Trust me. I know what's best for you. Don't, don't go there. We can ignore that voice if we want. He, he convicts us of righteousness. That's what's right. What's, what's good. He'll say, yeah, do that. That's good. That's great. Do that. That's a great opportunity I've given you. Why don't you take it? And he also convicts of judgment which is where he'll say, you take responsibility for this choice because this choice has consequences. Are you prepared for those? You know, in the garden, God's been doing these same three messages right through history. He said in the garden, don't eat of this tree. It's not good for you. It won't work out well. It, it's not a good way to go. It's bad for you. Eat of this tree of life. And all these other trees, they're all here for you. Trust me, this is, this is my provision for you. I've provided for you. And then he gives the, the judgment. He says, you know that if you don't listen to what I say, there will be a consequence and it won't be good. If you listen to what I say, it'll be great. You'll have a great life. You know, we do the same thing with our kids. 
exactly what the Holy Spirit does to his kids. We say, do not eat out of the garbage. Get your hand out of the garbage bin. That is not good for you. Why don't you eat all that we've provided for you, including those green and orange things? They're really good for you. Trust me. And then we give them the judgment. We say, well, you know, it's your choice, especially as they get older. Your choice. Choose wisely because we can tell you there will be a consequence. You know, the, the, the whole of creation has got cause and effect built into it. It's got reaping and sowing built in. And God has said, I have given you free choice. You're made in my image. And I always choose to do the right thing. What are you going to choose? In the, in the tabernacle, in the Ark of the Covenant, there was a lid and you could open that up. Uh, you wouldn't want to do that very often because you were liable to be struck down uh, back in that day. Anyway, inside the Ark of the Covenant were three things. One of them spoke of sin, one of them spoke of righteousness, and one of them spoke of judgment. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's been doing the same thing with mankind regardless of where they've been born, what religion they've been following, whatever belief system they've had, the Holy Spirit has done the same thing. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, there was a book of the law, and God said, these things, don't do these things. Do not steal. Do not. It won't go well for you. Trust me. And then in the, in the second thing in the Ark of the Covenant, there was a, a pot, a clay pot, full of manna that had been collected from when they lived in the desert. And, and this was a, a saying, I will provide for you. I will give you the opportunities you need. That's all you need. You don't have to do that stuff because I'll give you these fantastic opportunities for your life. You're going to love it. It'll be enough for you. Trust me. And then the third thing in the Ark of the Covenant was a, a dead stick belonging to one of the priests that God had put in place, Aaron, and it had budded. A supernatural touch from God had made flowers bud on a dead stick. And if you read the story about where that came from, it was a time when, when there was a dispute over who the people were going to follow. And a whole lot of people said, we're not following that guy. We're not following Aaron. He's not, a, he's not going to be our boss. He's not going to be our leader as a priest. We can do our own thing. And God said, right, oh, well, let's have a bit of a time of judgment and work out which one I approve of. And they got a few people there and Aaron's stick started budding. And judgment came on the people who refused to take God's word seriously. And that was put in there. So the Ark of the Covenant was serving the same purpose as the Holy Spirit does today. The Ark of the Covenant. God wants us to know the things that are not good for us, the, things that, the, the millions and billions of things that are good for us, and the direction that He will give for us, and the creative ideas He will give for us, and the solutions to our problems. He will provide for us. But there will be a cost, a, a consequence, whichever decision we make. Are we going to listen to the voice of God? Now, this happens, happened to me this week. I just wrote down some of the things that God's voice said to me just in one week because I thought as I prepare for this message, 
well, I, I am aware of God speaking to me a lot, but I, I don't just write. I don't write it down. I just respond, or hopefully respond. So, right after the church service last week, uh, I was talking to a, a member of our church who comes by bus from way out west in Holt, and uh, takes him a long time to get here. And he's got to wait around for the bus timetable to suit him to get back there. And I felt God say to me, while I, right while I was talking to him, offer to drive him home. I thought, no, I don't want to. Why? Because we tend to argue with that voice. Because that voice is not us. That voice is telling us to do things that don't suit us. I've got a whole lot of things to do. I've got places to go. And then the voice says to me, no, you don't. You're wrong. All you're going to do is go home and have some soup. Take him home. Offer to take him home. So I offer to take him home. As we respond to the voice of God, it gets louder. And then later in the week, we've got our son-in-law uh, and our daughter and our two grandchildren living with us. and moved back from Sydney re- very recently. And uh, so the empty nesters are now full nesters. Yeah. Don't we love that? Yes, we do. The grandkids, the grandkids we love, and we love the kids. All right. There's the voice. There's another voice as well on the front row. Usually God speaks through that voice, but not always. Okay. God said to me, tell Gareth that he's welcome to use your weights equipment in the garage. And I thought, I do not want that. He's going to change, take weights off and change it all around. All the settings will be changed. I'll go there. I've spent half an hour setting it back up again. All right, I will. Because, you know, you get used to that voice. Hopefully you get to the point where you think, no, I know that I know that I know that that's God. And he's challenging my selfishness and my greed and my, you know. And you have to make a decision. Because God says, do this, God. Hear a voice just behind me. It says, "Go on, do that." Am I the only one who argues with the voice? All right, that's good. God wants us to know that we can trust Him. God wants us to know that He will provide for us, and God wants to know that there is a consequence for the choices we make. There's a consequence. You know, when uh, we get used to this on our devices because we get these screens pop up and say, uh, uh, you know, click on this to proceed and to say that you agree with all the terms and conditions and that you're prepared to accept those terms and conditions. The 35 pages that no one ever reads. That's, that's a, we take responsibility for that click. And every decision we make in life is a click. And when we get to meet with God in heaven, he's going to say, I'm very interested in discussing all these decisions that you made in your life because you took full responsibility for all those decisions and you were prepared to click. When I said to you, go on, you don't need need to go down there. You don't need to do that track. Trust me, I've got something really good for you. When I said that to you, uh, you decided not to, to do that. You clicked that you would take responsibility for that. Well, here we are. Let's talk about that. 
And the wonderful thing about God is that he said, these things are not good, but I have provided for you someone who's going to take all the punishment you deserve for those rotten decisions that you've made. And as you put your trust in him, when it comes to the judgment, God's going to say, you know, you made some bad decisions, but I'll tell you what, you made a really good decision because you trusted me. What I said about Jesus, my son, you trusted. And because of that decision, you're judged free. You're judged accepted. And one of the big things that the Holy Spirit says to people when we put our trust in God, he just keeps saying, you don't have to worry. You do not have to fear. You are God's child. You are set free. You are born again. You are saved. Everything, every bad mistake you've done is washed clean. It doesn't matter to me. When we play the reel of your life back to you in heaven, all those times when you did something that you are embarrassed about or ashamed about, that's just a white flash in the, in the DVD, in the clip. It just goes white just then. Poof, never happened because my son has paid for it all for you. Now, I know some people who are terrified of meeting God, terrified of judgment. But the Spirit of God did not come to give us a spirit of fear, but to give us a, a spirit of love and of grace and of sound mind. If you're sitting here today and you're afraid about meeting God in heaven, or you're just not sure, then you haven't got what the Holy Spirit does, which is in Romans 8.16. It says, His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And so it's the devil tries to touch Christians sometimes and say, you are hopeless, you don't deserve, and you're bad, and it's not going to happen, and you're in trouble, and God doesn't like you. That's not God speaking to you. That's not a quiet, gentle voice. The quiet, gentle voice is saying, don't worry, don't listen to him. It's fine. You've been judged clean. Judgment for you is nothing. It's fine. It's all good. You're going to love it. God loves you. You're God's child. Everything is okay. You're forgiven. The slate is clean. Everything's been wiped. You've been washed. It's more powerful than your fear. It's more powerful than your thoughts. Your own hearts want to condemn you sometimes, but you don't have to. I do not condemn you. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a voice that speaks the words of Jesus. It reminds us of the words of Jesus. I'll get the band to come up now. And the same word that became flesh in Christ, God wants to bring alive in our own flesh and bones. He wants that same word to become flesh again so that we respond to that voice. Jesus says, I only do what I hear my Father telling me to do. I only do that. Why? Because he was making God's word into reality. He was making God's word flesh. Not just in his own body, but in his actions. And we have the same opportunity to do that too as we follow the voice of God in our lives. We can bring God back onto earth into our workplaces. We can have a word for people. In fact, I wanted to say earlier to Mark and Jane that you're visiting today, you're here today, 
just feel like God wants to say to you that you are that He is your protector, He's your provider, and He makes a roadway in the wilderness. He's a specialist at that. And He's looking after you. He loves you guys. You're awesome family to Him. Very special to Him. You know, we can do the same thing in our workplaces. We can have the Word of God speak to us and say, tell that person. Now, you don't have to go up to the person and say, uh, God just told me that thouest, shallest, shallest be as a person who he, you know. No, you just say, you know what? You're on my heart a little bit. Is everything okay? Uh, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. You just have to say something like that. That is bringing the Word of God into the flesh, into reality. And we can be like Jesus was, bringing God to be with people because He wants people to know how much He loves them and how much He wants to be with us. And He wants as many people as He can to be with Him ultimately in heaven. He wants as many people as possible to come and come and reach that judgment place and say, thank you, God. Thank you that you've taken everything that I've done and you've made it good and you've sent me off into eternity. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.